Please open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 19, and let's consider child training a little further from what we covered last Sunday. Leviticus chapter 19 will be a good place for us to start. I am trying to make this simple so that you can remember it as you look at your children, look at your own lives, look at your grandchildren's lives, that you can have a few things you can get your hands and soul around. The first and most important commandment in the Bible is to love and fear the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And godly parents will make sure that the Lord is the center of their lives. That everything is brought back to the God of heaven. And that they love the God of heaven. That He is a good and wonderful Creator. A good and wonderful Savior. And everything good comes from Him. Every good gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness. That they, they're taught that from the earliest days. That He's also the great and dreadful God of the Bible. That He drowned the earth with a flood. And that they should fear Him because He is coming soon to call all men before His great judgment seat. That we considered last Sunday. Today, we need to go to the second commandment. If you teach your child about the existence of God, that He created all things, and you owe Him your life, you're only partway there to teaching a balanced child that wins the approval of the God of heaven. Because He expects our children to be servants. And to love their neighbor. And loving your neighbor is not something you do in your heart. It's not something you do with your lips. It's something you do with your feet and your hands. It costs money. It costs time. It costs energy. It costs you your schedule. It costs you your little selfish life to get outside of yourself and care and do something for other people. And the Lord expects us to teach our children that. Leviticus 19, verse 17. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart, Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor, and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Notice in these two verses we're taught a little bit about loving someone. Verse 17 tells us that if we love someone, we'll rebuke them when we see them in sin. So that means you've got to get out of yourself and go and warn someone when they're sinning. The next verse says that we will not avenge. We're not going to revenge. Well, they haven't spoke to me in two weeks, so I'm not going to speak to them. These are things we teach our children. This is all about child training, although every one of us are going to be rebuked ourselves. There's no vengeance. Well, they haven't done something for me, so I'm not going to do it for them. And it goes on to say that we will not bear any grudge against any of the Lord's people, any children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And look what it adds. I am the Lord. He brings to bear His own name on this commandment, that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Children need to be taught repeatedly to get outside themselves and to become selfless instead of selfish. Children by nature are selfish. They come into this world full of greed for themselves. If you've ever watched 
Well, I don't even want to use this example because you all know better than that of what children do when there's a pile of presents. They show their greed and selfishness by ripping the wrapping off and throwing it aside looking for the next gift until they ransack the pile and then their words are almost universally, what else? And children need to be taught very much. That's ruling your spirit. That'll be for next Lord's Day. But they need to be taught to get out of themselves and to care about other people. It's hard to go to someone and warn them that they're doing something wrong. That's hard. But it's real love. Do you know what verse 17 tells us? If you don't do it, you hate them. Do you know what verse 18 tells us? You can't hold a grudge against anyone else and you can't show any vengeance toward them. Come to Matthew 22. That was the Old Testament. That was the law. But that part of the law, Jesus Christ brought forward. And Paul brought it forward. And it's repeated over and over. That the love of thy neighbor, learning to love others as much as you love yourself, is the royal law, and it includes all laws. Children are selfish by nature. And they must be taught to become a servant for other people and get outside themselves. If you just teach the fear of the Lord at home and dote on your children, you will teach self-centered, selfish little children that will not interrupt their schedule or their lives to go and serve others, which means they do not meet approval in the sight of God, and nor do they meet approval in the sight of other men. They need to be servants. There is nothing in your life so important that you can't interrupt it for the benefit of someone else. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ interrupted His life for me. Are you willing to return some of that to His people? Matthew 24. Jesus is teaching what the great commandment is. We can go ahead and start at verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Matthew twenty two thirty nine, And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Parents, you don't need to send your children to a Dale Carnegie course. You don't need to send your children to the Boy Scouts or anywhere else. They need to go to the Word of God and you need to apply it to them that they need to serve other people. It is the love of God and then the love of neighbor. And that ends up with us being third. We have had a sermon preached in this church. You've been reminded of it recently by Kevin Taylor. I am third. Now, I I hardly ever invoke athletic stories. But Gail Sayers did see when he was at the University of Kansas on his athletic director's desk that little emblem. I am third. And he wore that. And that is his life and his autobiography is written under that title. I am third. God is first. Others are second. And I'm last. And that is what our children need to be taught. Because they come into this world thinking they're first. There isn't a God. And others are last. We first of all establish that God is first. Then we have to establish that others are second. And you're last. I don't care about your personality. I don't care if you think it's hard for you to talk. I don't care if you're lazy. I don't care if you like your downtime at home. And the Lord doesn't care about any of those things. He wants you to be a servant. 
He was a servant for us and He gave us the great example. And we must teach our children that or we fail. And we could even end up with self-centered people claiming to fear the Lord. Now, the Lord calls them liars. You heard that from 1 John 4.20. He that saith, I love God, but doesn't love his brother, he's a liar. Because how in the world can you say that you love a God that you've never met, but you can't love people that are around you every day? It takes work. It takes work. It's easy. It's easy to fear and love God as long as it doesn't cost you anything. When that love of God is translated into loving others, then it starts to pay, cost a price. It starts to hit your pocket. It takes your time. It takes your emotion, your energy. It disrupts your schedule. But that's when you prove that you really love God, when you love the children of God. And that's what the Bible teaches. And that's what we need to teach our children if we are to have a church full of godly young people. Jesus said it's the great commandment, the second of the great commandments, and all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Look at Luke 6.31. Luke 6.31. We call it the golden rule. Children should be taught from as early as possible that they should treat others the way they want to be treated. You don't treat others the way they treated you because that's called avenging. You don't withdraw and avoid others because they mistreated you. That's called bearing a grudge. That's being overcome of evil. When you really love someone, you overcome their evil with good. If you resort to a grudge, to bitterness, to withdrawing, to punishment of them, then you're trying to overcome with evil. And you're being overcome of evil. But we're to overcome evil with good. This is so important to take the time to teach your children to be servants and to love to serve. To love to go do something for someone else. To sweat. To take time. To take money. Effort. Breaking up your schedule to go do something for someone else. The Lord did it for us and we should do it for others. Look at Luke 6.31. Here's the golden rule. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Children and all men think the opposite of this. I'm going to treat others the way they treat me. And if they would treat me better, I would be a friendlier person. That's how men reason. That's how all children reason. Well, if they treated me better, I'd be friends to them. No, the Bible says go and treat them the way you want to be treated. That is an order of the high king of heaven. And that's what we need to teach our children. We cannot be content just teaching them to fear and love the Lord or we end up with distorted professing Christians. We must teach them to translate that down to where the rubber meets the road and that's loving the children of God. See, God's perfect. He's pretty easy to love. I've never found fault in Him. I've been looking for it for 49 years. I speak as a fool. You understand me. I've never found fault in Him. So He's easy to love. But the children of God are something different. They all make it difficult. They challenge me every day. I don't think you can love me. What I'm going to do to you today, I don't think you're going to be able to love me. But if I really love God, I'm going to learn to love the children of God and put up with all their differences. I'm not going to bear grudges. 
I'm not going to avenge myself. I'm going to go and serve them anyway. We have to teach that to our children. And you know you can start teaching that really early. When little Bobby wants the toy that Jimmy has. You can teach Jimmy. You've been playing with it for the last 16 hours, Jimmy. Can you let Bobby have it for a few minutes? And you immediately begin to teach the selflessness to give up a toy for the other. You know, as they get older and Jimmy has to do something, has to have a yard project, you can tell Bobby to go help Jimmy. Bobby, do you know that Jimmy could be done in half the time if you would go help him instead of sitting on the deck laughing at him in his project? Uh, let me tell a story. I don't do it very often, so I hope you'll let me get away with it once in a while. The second youngest Jonathan in this assembly. The second youngest Jonathan in this assembly was a little bad a few weeks ago, and he irritated his father. And his father told him that because he had been bad, he needed to clean up the kitchen that night. Now, I love little Jonathan, and he better not feel embarrassed at all because the story's good. The story's good. That young man, all you have to do is have one handshake from him and look him in the eyes and it'll make up for anything I'm telling about him right now. But his dad told him he had to clean up the whole kitchen. And when you're cleaning up the whole kitchen for the Nappy family, you've got some cleaning to do. But that little guy was assigned to clean up the kitchen. And uh, his father went to his, his bedroom and closed the door. And that looked like that was it. But there was a little girl in that family, little Caroline. And she knew that Jonathan had been bad and that Jonathan had irritated her father. But she went to the door and knocked on the door of the big bear. That little girl took her life into her own hands and went to the door to ask her father a question. Can I help Jonathan? Can I help Jonathan? And of course he said yes. And she went out and helped him clean up the kitchen. That is a wonderful story. I know that to be true. And that happened a few weeks ago. And Caroline, I commend you. That's a wonderful story. Instead of wandering back and forth through the kitchen, how long is it going to take you? Ha, 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 ha. As most kids do, that little girl wanted to help her brother finish the project, even though it was his fault that he was in it by himself. That's a great story. Do you know what that's called in the Bible? Brotherly love. That is brotherly love. When you see someone moving, you want to help them move. Because many hands make a task light. Could you believe how fast we filled your house with your stuff on Thursday night? It took three hours to get it in the trucks because it was packed very carefully. But it only took an hour coming out and being transported to all those rooms because there were many hands. Because we were all showing brotherly love to get a project done in the church. And that is what needs to be taught to children. And that is why I singled out three children this morning because they were there from the beginning running those packages and those boxes to their respective rooms. And they were doing it cheerfully. And they were running. They were enjoying it. And they were putting some zeal into it. And this needs to be taught to all of our children. There's the golden rule in Luke 6.31. We don't think that way by nature, and children don't. They have to be taught this. Here's a child will come to its parents and complain 
The other children aren't very friendly in that church. Nobody really likes me. I don't have very many friends because they're not very friendly. That's a lie. You don't have friends because you're not friendly. There has never been a friendly person on earth that didn't have friends. Instead of blaming other people, blame yourself. That is a wicked attitude. And that attitude has to be corrected by every parent. You cannot let that stand a moment. The reason they don't have friends is because they have some characteristics about themselves. It could be one, two, or twenty that irritate other people. They're too bossy. They're too quiet. They're too lazy. They're too worldly. They're too selfish. They're too opinionated. And that's how your children lose their friends. If you're friendly, you'll have more friends than you can handle. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And that needs to be taught to children. That is part of the second commandment of learning how to get along and love other people. Because if you show a loving, compassionate, caring, serving spirit toward others, guess what? Everybody wants you around. Did you hear what I just said? If you're caring, considerate, compassionate, loving, and serving, everyone wants you around. If you're selfish, opinionated, overbearing, nobody wants you around. If you're always talking about yourself, if you're always whining about your problems, no one wants you around. So you end up living a lonely life. But the Lord wants us to teach our children better than all that. Because He wants us to have well-rounded children. And do you know what well-rounded children is in the Bible language? Loving God and loving God's people. Loving God and loving your neighbor. That's what the Bible says is well-rounded. Look at Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. Oh, you parents and you young couples that don't, that aren't parents yet. Can't you lay hold of the fear and love of God, the love and service of others. I'm going to get to ruling your spirit because I'm going to tack on a third one. And then all the miscellaneous ones. You can get your hands around that. I'm going to teach my children to love and fear God more than any others, not for my praise, but for the glory of God. And I'm going to teach my children to be the world's greatest servants and to love and cheerfully help and serve other people. Well, you better be leading by example. That's going to come up before we get out of this series. You better be leading by example and showing them how to give themselves for others. I'm so thankful to have two parents that gave their whole lives to others. All they ever did was serve other people. They had nothing to ever take pride in and satisfaction in themselves. They were always doing something for others. I'm so thankful for that. And for whatever little bit of that I am is because of them. I watched it all my life. If there was something to be done for somebody, we were there. Because they were there. And we went along to help. We were expected to help. And we watched them help all the time. Our children should see that of us. Philippians chapter 2, look at this. Philippians 2, we've been here before, but let's think about it in terms of child training. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came down from His throne in glory to die for us. We're supposed to have that mindset 
of being willing to help others. Instead of looking on our own things, it's amazing. I'm telling you right now, some, some people have no parents or the parents they had were wicked. Do you know how you tell? Just walk up to them and get into a conversation. They will tell you what they're thinking. They will tell you what they're doing. And they will give you their opinion on things. And you will know that child did not have a real parent. Because if that child had a real parent, when you walked up to them, they would be turning the conversation around to talk about your things, your opinions, your life, rather than theirs. It is so simple to see it happen. Because here's what a real parent is going to teach their children. Not to do anything through strife or vainglory. There is no competition or desire to get ahead or be puffed up or present your ideas or to be at the forefront. You want other people at the forefront. So it's constantly. And you can do it in your home with your little children. Help the children get the other person up. Praise every single child at your table when you're having a supper. And I hope you have more than one there. Teach them to lift one another up. And then when it comes to the church, teach them to lift others up and praise them and teach them to be willing to go without praise themselves. Who needs praise? We're doing it enough inside all the time. If you know what I mean. The Bible says to love others and love your neighbor as you already love yourself. We need to teach our children how to praise others. Right there, let nothing, nothing, be done through strife or vainglory. It shouldn't be competitive to get yourself ahead or get your opinion presented and nothing for your glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Teach children that the other children are more important than they are. Teach children that the other young people are more important than they are. Quit thinking about yourself. The more you think about yourself, the unhappier you get. Because no one else thinks about you that much, so you're always disappointed. If you start thinking about others, they're going to love you for that affection you're showing toward them. God's going to be pleased with you, and all of a sudden you'll have friends and be happy. Keep thinking about yourself. Withdraw into your little bedroom and sit there and play solitaire with yourself, and you're ruining your life. I gave the young people this lesson on Wednesday night. I tried to send it to everyone. If you would take a look at the desert locust, that in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 27 is described for us so plainly. This guy at the top is the desert locust. He doesn't like people. He likes being alone. He only comes out at night. When he mates, he's only with another locust for a very short period of time. Then he gets alone again because he likes his space. He likes his downtime. He likes to be by himself. He's solitary. He's reclusive. He's a loner. He's a loser. If he ever tries to go out in the daytime, a bird's going to scarf him. He's a two-gram meal in one second. And he gets scarfed. When food quantities begin to diminish, these little guys are forced to get closer to each other because there's less food. When they start to get around the same food, their rear legs rub. When their rear legs rub, they change into this. These are not, this is not two species. That's what scientists have thought until the last couple decades. This is the same desert locust. It changes into that. And now all of a sudden, it is full of pheromones and giving off pheromones. 
and all of them want to be together, fly together, stay together. And they turn into swarms of billions, not thousands, not millions, billions. They can cover many square miles, and they'll eat everything in sight, and nothing can stop them. No bird messes with one of these coming at it. No F-15 messes with one of these coming at it. It's the same locust. And do you know what? There's one verse in Proverbs chapter 30 where the wise man said, the locust doesn't have a king telling it what to do, but they all go forth by bands when they're running out of food. They all change from being solitary to being... What was that scientific word that scientists have uh, have chosen for this guy when all of a sudden he likes to be in a crowd? Gregarious. Do you know that's a word we use for people? If you're gregarious, you're friendly and outgoing and sociable. And you know what? They don't need a king to tell them that. God tells it to them. You know what I love about Solomon? It says God gave him largest, largest of heart. Largeness of heart. Like no other man. First Kings chapter 4. It says he could sit and talk about trees. I've told you that one. But see, if we were to read the rest of the chapter... Right after that it says he could speak about creeping things. He could speak about creeping things. 3,000 years ago, Solomon knew that the desert locust was one species that changed when the circumstances dictated it and became a very social creature, getting along with all the other locusts and loving being around the other locusts. You know, I've met Christians that are like this. And our goal through preaching and through having a church is to get them all gregarious. We want a gregarious band of locusts in this church. And moving on Thursday night was exciting to watch because it was a band of gregarious locusts. Usually we're off by ourselves, but everybody appeared at one address that we'd never been to before to help someone else. And you know what? When a band of people this size gets together, cheerfully and out of love and zeal toward God, they can do anything just like a band of locusts can do anything. It can wipe out a whole nation's food supply. They're incredible when they get together. You ought to read some of the information that I gave you in the proverb for Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 27. There's a lesson. There's a lesson. Are you a solitarius or are you a gregarious? And you know, sometimes we're both, aren't we? I mean, we have our days where we get a little tired of everyone And so we withdraw. Does that make us happier when we withdraw? Or do we get our biggest happiness, is our most happiness and our biggest pleasure from serving others? It is. One of the ways to quickly get out of depression is go do something for someone else. If, since you don't want to smile, put a smile on their face. You say that sounds so trite and so simple. Well, try it. You must not be smiling right now or you would have smiled at that. You have the problem, not me. And we need to teach our children that. To help one another and to help the other children in the church. Philippians chapter 2 says it quite well. Look at Matthew 20. Matthew 20. They thought they were two different species of locusts. Can you believe it? Solomon knew that. He said they don't have to have a king come around and impose the draft to get all those locusts together. The Lord does it. As soon as they start getting close, 
and bumping legs. Do you know what we're going to have to start implementing in this church? What other churches do, stand up and hug the person behind you. Maybe that's what we need to do. Get you all rubbing each other, and maybe the pheromones will come out, and we'll become gregarious locusts. I personally think that that is really trite, because it's so fake. When you force me to hug someone, there's not a whole lot of meaning in it. But I hope that we're all huggers and rubbers, and you know how I mean that in this church, and that we're gregarious and we help each other to be gregarious. And that verse is in the Bible, and I didn't make this up as some object lesson outside the Bible. Solomon taught us that. And it's a neat lesson. You ought to read, you ought to read about what a swarm of locusts can do. Now Bob's been infirming. He's seen, he's seen some, but he hasn't seen the ones that cross the Red Sea and devour entire nations. Do you remember? How many green things were left in Egypt after God's swarm left? None. They eat their weight every day. You say, well, two, two grams, that's not very big. They wouldn't eat much food. Yes, but there's 60 million per square mile. And in 1889, one swarm crossed the Red Sea that was 2,000 square miles. It had 250 billion desert locusts in it. Who's going to stand in the way of that? F-15, their, their jet engines don't burn well on locusts. Everything shuts down when they're coming. But because they got together, one locust, huh, that's food for a bird. A quick, a quick two-gram food bar for a bird. Matthew chapter 20. The disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Verse 25, Jesus called them unto him and said, Here's Jesus teaching his disciples about being great. Matthew 20, 25. Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said to his disciples, I know the Gentiles do it that way. The great ones are the ones that have authority over the others. But that is not the way it is in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven are those that get down and serve the others and become a servant. And the word minister is not a lofty title. The word minister is a synonym for servant. And that's what we need to teach our children. How many times should we forgive one another? Till 70 times 7. How should we forgive? We should realize that we owe 10,000 debts to 10,000 talents to God and He forgave us. We should easily forgive anyone that sends a hundred pence against us. Should we love our enemies? Oh, what a lesson for children. When a child comes home and says, so-and-so kicked me. Oh, child, that's exciting. This is good. This is good. Until someone kicks you, you can't even practice real love. 
Loving your friends is not love. Loving your friends is what Pharisees and, and Sadducees do. Loving your enemy is real love. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have lots of opportunities if you listen to your child and whenever they talk about an enemy, someone that mistreated them, they have an opportunity to show real love. And you can teach them the principle of loving your enemies. Doing good to them that hate you. Praying for them that despitefully use you. Right here in the Bible, that's the real love of God toward others. Those who are our enemies from time to time. That's overcoming their evil with good. We ought to be showing that. We should teach our children that even a small act of kindness, visiting someone who is sick, visiting someone in the hospital, clothing someone, feeding someone, moving them, whatever, is going to be remembered by the Lord Jesus Christ in the day of judgment. You won't remember it. You will have forgotten it, but He will not. The Lord Jesus Christ will not forget. And it doesn't matter how small or unimportant of a person that it was that you served, Jesus will say, because it was one of the least of these, my brethren, it was as good as doing it to me. That's Matthew 25. All those principles and many more are taught in the Bible. Let me give you a few examples of how we can try to teach it to our children. Let's not settle for teaching the love of God to our children. That is not enough. We need to teach our children to love others. It's a commandment. It's a commandment to teach your children to love other people and to get outside of themselves and go do nice things and acts of service for others. If they don't do it, they're displeasing to God. Your family's displeasing to God. And those children are going to end up without any friends because they're not going to grow in favor with God and man. The only way you can get your children to grow in favor with God and man is to teach them the love of God and then the love of others. Teach your children, I am third. Require your children to share everything. You know, when, when you buy a gift for one of the children and you hear the words, no, that's mine. There isn't such a thing. Do you know what the church of Jesus Christ was like in Acts chapter 2 when it was full of the Holy Ghost? They had all things common. That's when somebody's full of the Holy Spirit and you should teach your children right off the bat. It doesn't matter that you got it for one of the particular children. That child should want to take the gift that was given to him in particular and give it to the others to show a real act of kindness. If it's a family toy, it doesn't mean as much. But if you can get a child to give the toy that was specifically his to share it with another child, you've accomplished something in the training of your children. You want to be great? Jones tribe. Do you want to be great in the sight of the Lord? Then share everything you've got with your brothers and sisters. That's great in the sight of heaven. You're going to have so many friends when you get older, you'll have to keep a calendar to keep them all straight. Draw out each child for praise at family gatherings. Try to think of something for each one and lift each one of them up. No sibling rivalry in a house. What in the world is sibling rivalry but strife and vainglory that we just saw in Philippians chapter 2 is out? None. There's no place for that. That level of competition is no longer competition. It's emulation and a sin in the New Testament. 
trying to excel and exceed someone else. No. Shut that down and teach them to lift up the other children. Every parent should set an example of cheerfully serving others. Do you know why two are better than one? Teach the value of a group that you can't ever amount to anything by yourself. That's why I use the locust on Wednesday evening. If you're a loner, you're a loser. Loners never go anywhere. They can't. The locust can't, and a man can't. You've got to use other people, and it doesn't mean use them in a way of stepping on them, but you've got to join yourself together. Because two are better than one, and the reasons are given in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And that should be taught. Your children together amount to a great deal. Many hands make a task light. Let your child do a hard task sometime by themselves and then get the other children to help them out and realize, wow, this works pretty good. If I treat the other, if I treat my brothers and sisters well so that they want to help me, I sure can get things done in a hurry. And they're all thinking that. And when you're all thinking that, it's a wonderful thing. You know, we had a bunch of men that had to work later on Thursday evening. When they arrived and walked up, we had two trucks already swept clean. And I told them, put a frown on your face to let everyone know that you're disappointed that you couldn't unload the trucks, but put a smile on your heart. It's all over. Because many hands make a task light. That was so, that was exciting on Thursday night. And we had little children running light boxes. We had men taking in one heavy piano. And it all worked out. Because many hands came together. How do many hands come together? Sitting in your bedroom playing solitaire? Having downtime all the time? Well, I'm just not comfortable around other people. All the excuses I've heard of not to love and serve others. Jesus left the throne of glory for you and me. Hospitality should be practiced by a family and it should involve the whole family many times. Every offense that comes up, comes up, like I've already said, should be used to teach that this is an opportunity for love that you ordinarily don't have. Whenever someone hurts one of your children, teach them this is an opportunity. Because until somebody hurts you, you don't have an enemy. Until you have an enemy, you can't really practice true love. Because true love is overlooking what they've done to you and showing them kindness anyway. As I've said, explain that a lack of friends is their fault, not others. It's not that other people aren't friendly. It's that you're not friendly. If you're friendly, you'd have friends. What do you think friendly means? Make sure your child considers each and every one that's in a group. Make sure your child participates in group activities, not just goes along for the ride. If someone asks your child to do something and they come home and say, well, that's just too hard or that's just too low. I can't do that. Tell them there is no such thing in this world. I'm glad that Jesus Christ was willing to stoop all the way to the cross for us. And that is to be the pattern for all of our treatment of others. You can teach your children compassion by thoughtful and prayerful concern at home in front of them. Teach them to be willing to do anything for anyone. Yes. Yes, I want to help. Require that of them. 
and then show it so that they have an example of doing that. Don't let a child talk about himself or his problems to others. When you, when you can sense that you have a child that likes to talk about themselves and their problems, cut that child off and teach them to go and ask other people about themselves and about their problems. That's one of the greatest arts of communication. All you have to do is go ask questions. Instead of talking about yourself, go and ask other people how they are doing in their life. Make the conversation centered around them rather than centered around you, and you'll be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And your children will be. There can be no self-centered attitude at any time. Crush the loner. Children do not have a right to be loners. Exalt how important it is to be a servant. Never can your children whine about helping others. They should be excited about the opportunity to help others. Can you teach your children that others are more important than they are? You know, I'd rather have you praising your children for what they've done for someone else than for something they've accomplished academically, athletically, financially, or otherwise. Certain acts of service should be lifted up and praised very highly. We've got to forget the the world's opinion of self-love and teach the Bible's opinion of self-love. You've got too much of it, and you need to share some of it with others instead of getting more of it like the world teaches. You know, your children should be sent to church every Sunday with specific people to go after. You're not a Christian. You are not a Christian if you come into a church and sit in a pew. You are not a Christian if you come into a church and talk about yourself to everyone else. You're a Christian when you come into church and you go after others because the Bible says we are to consider one another and to provoke to love and to good works. We are to comfort. We are to encourage. We are to edify. A very simple solution is to get up early enough on Sunday mornings that you can tell your children an assignment of who they need to go see that day to teach them an interest and love and concern for other people. This is child training. This is putting the Bible into practice in our homes and with our children. Children should be taught to be conventional. You don't have a right to be different. There is no place for an individualist in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He doesn't care about individualism. He cares about you serving the best interests of the group. And it's called in 1 Corinthians 13, doth not behave itself unseemly. You're always trying to be conventional and in a way that's approved and acceptable by all the others in a group. Your opinion's worthless in a group. If you have a child that you notice likes to correct unimportant details, we, we all know what it's like when we meet an adult that does that. Do not let your children correct unimportant details in someone else. When someone's telling a story and they get one or two little facts mixed up that don't have anything to do with the lesson, cut them off. Have you ever been around an adult that does that? You weren't around them long because you wanted to get away from them. And we've all seen those adults. It means they didn't have loving parents. Who cares about somebody getting the facts mixed up? Why in the world would you mess up a story that someone is telling and shame them in public because they said something that was irrelevant to the lesson they were giving? You detail freaks, you can live the rest of your lives in solitaire.
You know, when you're in a group setting, agree and approve and go along with what the group wants. I know about the young people. That's hard for some of them. They always have another suggestion. Another suggestion means you're unfriendly and you won't have friends. You know, you can teach your children to go after children that they might think are less than them. The Bible does tell us that there are comely members and there are uncomely members in a church. Do you know what the Bible says about the difference between the two of them? It says for the comely members to condescend to men of low estate and to go after them and love them. If you can sense that your child thinks another child is not their equal or their peer, make that child go after that other one. Because that's teaching real condescending love and service. Those are a few examples. They'll all be in an outline. The Word of God tells us this. If you want to keep the whole law of God, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You may not be a loner. It's against the Word of God. He wants you to be a social creature going forth by bands because our King has told us to do so. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Parents are neglectful. If they take their children to church to teach them about God, send them to school to learn something for a profession, and do not teach them to be servants of others. They have cheated the Lord of Heaven out of the second great commandment And they've cheated their children out of a fulfilling life that could please other people and build the church of Jesus Christ. May all our children build this church by loving one another, serving one another, and keeping that second commandment. May we help them do it. May Jesus Christ be praised.